Okay, how many guys know you are not feelers, but believers? So sometimes I'm cut, I go to church and I ask people, who, who has like, received Jesus into their lives? Like, raise your hands. Today, who's, who's received Jesus into their life? Most everybody, right? At one point, you accepted Christ and you're a Christian, right? And I go to church and one of the pet peeves that I have is when people just stand there not worshiping because you are not a feeler, you're a believer. And people always, often, after 23 years of ministry, people often say, I don't feel good. I feel like down. I feel like a cloud over my head. I'm going through a tough time. That's exactly when you're supposed to worship. Even more harder. Because you're a believer, not a feeler. It's not how you feel. It's what you believe. And God is worthy to be praised. That's what the Word says. Right? So... You act on your belief, not on your feelings. This is basic cognitive behavioral therapy. <laughs> Beck, 1970. I'm giving you citations right now. Act. You believe, act, and then feelings follow. Feelings is a good like topping to your life. Oh, feelings are good. I feel good today. Those are like cherries on top. The foundation for your life is what you believe. Belief comes before feelings. Feelings make poor masters. They'll put you on a roller coaster ride of your life and you'll just be up and down. You want to be steady. You believe in the word of God and you act. So when we even my wife lost our baby, one of the first things we did, the moment we found out, well, she was actually at a restaurant and um, we lost the baby in the restaurant. Came home, it was devastating. But we came home, we were crying, we sat on the bed, and we sang. Our God is an awesome God, he reigns. And we just kept singing that over and over until we felt the spirit and we started crying in a good way, in a cleansing way. And then we still have to go through the five stages of grief process, but we knew God was with us. And we knew God would be faithful to his promises. And right after that, I said, we need to eat. And so we got some Chinese food and we ate. <laughs> and then after some time of recovery, my son was born without much effort. There was effort involved, but not much. Then he was born. And we named him Zechariah. God remembers you. You guys good today? Now, this sermon is kind of an old sermon, but also I got some new revelation. Is that okay? Yeah. And today is going to be more of like a, somewhat of a teaching. Not, there's also going to be preaching because I can't help myself. You know the difference between preaching and teaching, right? Nobody knows. Okay, but it's okay. <laughs> and I also feel like there's people here that need to um, turn your eyes to Jesus and draw near to him despite what you've been going through. You just have to shift. You just have to turn. There's no earning. There's no, there's no like earning your way into church again. There's no earning your way into God's grace. But then you are making up your own gospel. Jesus died once and for all so that you may enter without any effort. That's the whole system of the Old Testament with so much effort and sacrifice. Jesus died, and he did all that for all of eternity. So all you have to do is enter. It doesn't matter what you've gone through this week. It doesn't matter what you did even last night. 
It's not about you. It's about what Christ did. So when you come to church, when you come in this place of worship, it's not about you. It's about Christ, what he did for you. So you just have to shift. That's, why I, that's what I taught my kids. That's why I don't know what he did last night. Something good things, like holy things, I guess. I don't know. But if he did, by chance, if he didn't, God forgives him. That's why he's able to worship with all his heart. It doesn't matter what he did. Because today is a new day. You guys, do I hear an amen? I'm just giving you some, I'm just doing this over and over again so you understand. Right? It's not about you. It's about Christ when you come here. And as you worship Christ, as you, what you believe and as you act, your feelings will follow. You are the master of your feelings. I don't know if anyone's listening. People think I'm Pentecostal because you're like, you just want all this. I'm actually a Reformed Presbyterian ordained pastor. <laughs> Nothing to do with Pentecostal and Reformed. I've been to many Reformed churches all over the world, and they're crazy. In Africa and Brazil, they're like very Reformed Presbyterian, but they're, the church is rocking because they understand the gospel. What you're doing, what we do in some churches, is tradition. Nothing to do with the gospel. It's just what you do and what you, whatever you feel comfortable with. If you're comfortable standing, unless you can't stand, that's why we don't say, if you're comfortable, stand. No, the Bible says, stand in the presence of God. Shout to the Lord. Zephaniah 3, it says, spin. God spins over you. He's dancing over you. So I don't know why I'm already preaching. I haven't even started my message. <laughs> Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel 37. I'm going to put in, I'm going to give you some, I hope the TV's on. I hope the TV's on. Because I have some Hebrew letters that I want to show you. It's really cool. But here is the vision of the valley of dry bones, Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord is upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm reading verse 1. And set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. This is a vision that he had. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, and, and lo, they were very, very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and said to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you. Breath, the Hebrew word is ruach. Same word for the breath of the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on his disciples and gave them the Holy Spirit. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow on you, cover you with skin and put breath into you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, I was commanded, and, I pro and as I prophesied, there was a noise, a behold, a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Notice, Ezekiel is prophesying to the breath, which is connected to, or alluded, is alluding to the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a second. Ezekiel is prophesying or declaring God's word to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. 
Did you guys, did you hear just hear what I just said? He is prophesying, I don't know why I'm wearing this. He is prophesying to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God. Why does God need to be prophesied to? I'm going to get to that. Maybe something to do with our declaration, our agreement. That God has ordained it in His sovereignty that we agree and we declare. And we agree with Him. So it's not just enough to agree, but declare. It's not enough to agree, declare. This is a time... The nation of the Hebrews, the nation of Israel as a whole, was divided because of division. After Solomon, kings and people in a power trip divided the kingdom. It was Israel, Judah. Israel was taken first because they were the they were the most sinful. And then Judah was taken last. And so this is about ten years before Ezekiel is taken. But he can see what's coming ahead. And so God gives Ezekiel this vision to tell them, this is the nation of Israel because there's, they've come so, they've been cut off from me that they are like dry bones. There's nothing on them. Bones, they're dead. There's no hope. They're not just dead. They're not, it's not flesh. Somebody who died and there's still flesh on them. It's been dead for a long time, hundreds of years. There's absolutely no hope. And so God is saying to Ezekiel, can these bones live? What a question. Can Vancouver be revived? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. <laughs> Sometimes I walk, to, I live in Olympic Village and I hear the people, just drunkenness. And I told you about that guy who wanted to fight me out of for no reason. Just crazy people. They're, they're, Sometimes I wonder, oh, oh no. And I see, I see occult and new age everywhere. It's almost like Satan is laughing in our city. He's laughing at the Christians, which barely less than 1% in Vancouver. Can Vancouver be revived? And so I'm walking around dry bones. You know why Ezekiel had to walk around? Because when you walk on the dry bones, you're claiming the dry bones for yourself. And why do you walk on the dry bones? God is saying, walk amongst it because... According to Jewish custom, if you walk among the dead, you get defiled. But when Ezekiel walked among the dead, he, instead of death coming upon him, life gave into death. I thought that was a good, that was a good word, I thought. <laughs> I thought you guys would be like, wow. That's why you say amen, because amen is not for my encouragement. It's for your own receiving of the word. Because you are confessing that that's true. That's a good word. You don't have to say amen. You can say that's a good word. As you confess it, it's like the seed is in your heart and you open it up. Amen. And the seed goes into your heart. That's why I say amen all the time. <laughs> amen. True that. That's a good word. Unless it's not good, you can think about it. But if it's good, I thought that was a good word. Instead of death coming upon you, you're bringing life onto death. Amen. That is the calling of every believer. Instead of death like covering you and defiling you, so you have to go to church and cleanse yourself every week and then you get death on you again. Really, 
The church is a place of testimony how you brought life to death. Come on. That's, that's what God is saying. And then he's saying to Ezekiel, hey man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? So we have to agree. He has to first, yes, he has to first decide, yes. I think, yes. And then Ezekiel's kind of like, I don't know, only you know. That's what he says. I don't know, man. It's completely dead. There's a bunch of dead people. And they've been so dead. It's so dry. I don't even know. Maybe if it was dead just three days, maybe. I don't know. But it's like so dry. How are you going to get flesh on it? I don't know. He said, only you know. But he didn't say no. He said, perhaps, maybe, only you know. You could do it. But then he said, prophesy to these bones. Speak to it. If you believe it, then say it. If you believe it, then you've got to declare it. So it's not just enough to agree, then you have to decree. It's not enough to just know God's heart, you have to speak God's heart. That's why the Bible says, Romans 10, 8, 9, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. It's not a, you cannot be a Christian just by believing. I believe. You have to confess it before a group of people and say, I am a Christian. That's why one of my, when, when I first started church, I, I think um, there's a couple that came to church. It was like a small group like this. The li- girl literally ran out of the church while I was preaching. And I'm like, oh, I must have said something wrong. She came back and she said, I don't know what is happening. I've never been to church before, but God or somebody is speaking to me. And then we just gave her the word and then she became a Christian. And the first thing we did was tell everybody that you're a believer now. Because once you confess, then it cements your reality for the future. You know like those cartoons, like, you know, the bubble? You know, when you say it, it's like right there. So my wife is very, like, word-based. Whatever I say, she remembers, and she has perfect memory. Her memory is so perfect. Like, we went to university, and we... We went back to our old university, uh, Western Ontario, and I wanted to buy like some, you know, Western stuff. I don't have any Western stuff, so I wanted to buy some. And then they said, "Do you know? Do you remember my? Do you remember your student number?" I'm like, "How am I supposed to know? It's like 15 years ago." And then my wife's like, "I remember." And then she said it. She, I think this is it. And she, they they typed it out. Yes, Sonia Kim. I'm like, "Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my wife." She, that's how she is. She remembers license plates, phone numbers. It's just names. That's why if I, I, I forget names, but I remember faces. I'm like, hi, how are you? And then I look at my wife and she goes, hello, John. <laughs> and I'm like, it's John, it's John, it's John. Because she has perfect memory. <laughs> so, so whenever I say something like, I'm going to clean the house, boop, 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 boop. once I confess it, is cemented. And now I'm living with that reality wherever I go. Do you understand? You create realities by what you speak. The words that you confess are so powerful. If you gossip about somebody, now if Chris and Tiff started like gossiping about their friend and then they meet their friend the next night 
Do you act like perfectly normal? Unless you're a sociopath. That's what sociopaths do. They talk behind your back and they do pathologically. This is actually proven because they have no capacity. They, all those things are merged together. What they say gets cemented in your heart. So when you see them next, you feel weird. Do you understand? It can ruin relationships. There's power in the tongue. You have to confess it. Now, Holy Spirit hovered over the waters, Genesis 1. I told you I'm going to do some teaching today because I think you're ready for more mature topics. Instead of that stuff, bam, bam, preaching, the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters like a dove, <laughs> over, the, over the dark waters, Genesis 1. Look it up. Like a dove, just like a bird, hovering, waiting, waiting. Water in the Hebrew always symbolizes chaos. That's why Jesus walked on water as a symbol of him having authority over chaos. That's why in Revelation, the sea is no longer wavy. It's crystal clear as glass. No more chaos. I'm trying to get you to love the Bible. So Holy Spirit was hovering over chaos and darkness. And then God said, Verse 2, and God had to speak, and the Holy Spirit acti was activated, and God and the Holy Spirit worked. The God said to the Holy Spirit, work. Holy Spirit to God. Holy Spirit is God. Do you understand? So God said to himself, I say, I say, you say, I say. They had to say it out loud. God did not think the world into existence. God did not think the world into existence. He did not just think it. I want the world. Mm. Boom, the world happened. He spoke it. It was nece necessary for him to speak. This confession is so important. God said to himself, and that's why in Proverbs 18.21, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's not just an idiom or just a saying or it's a metaphor. There's actually power of life and death in your words. When you go before a judge and the judge says you are guilty, there's power in those words to ruin your life, to curse you or to bless you. I remember I, did a, I hit a car and I ran. I'm so sorry. You guys are like, what a bad person. I was 16. I was reversing, and I hit a car, and I went, oh, my gosh, I got a basketball game, and I just drove off. <laughs> Played basketball. I thought I forgot about it. That's the person I am. Thank you for redemption. I've changed. And I got a call three months later and said, is there a Kim Samui? This is the Toronto Police Department. And I'm like, Kim Samui, that's my dad. And my dad's on the phone. He's like, I never hit a car. He started getting mad, so I had to, like, dad, it was me. I had to go to the detective's room. They were, you know, like in the movies, I was sitting there, two detectives came. They started questioning me. I was like, there was an old lady looking out the window, took down my license plate. And she probably had her reading glasses on or something. I don't know how she saw it. And then I had to wait a year to go to court. And the judge, I was like, it could have been license suspended, not driving. It was pretty bad. And uh, the judge said, you seem like a good person. I don't want to punish you. And I don't want to punish your dad for your mistake. So $50 fine. And good luck on your life. I was like, Jesus Christ is real. <laughs> I pray so hard I don't hear. 
you understand? The judge has the power. They, the judge has the power. Words have power. That's why my wife and I, we never say the D word, D-I-V-O-R-C. I don't even want to spell it out loud. We have never said that word out loud in our 26 years of marriage. Not one time, even though there are times I just like, oh my gosh, how am I, how am I supposed to be married to this woman for the rest of my life? <laughs> and she says the same thing. She wakes up and looks at me like, I got 30 more years to go, I guess. But this, <laughs> you know, we look at it, that's, that's real marriage. But we never, ever said the D word. In fact, even I don't feel like it, I always say to her the words that I feel like God wants me to say to her, even if I don't feel like it, even if she's acting all weird that, that day. You know what I mean? I say, you are a Proverbs 31 woman. I'm thankful for you. Where would I be without you? You're a woman of wisdom, kindness. You're a leader. I listen to you. You are the junior Holy Spirit in my life. I love you. See, there's power in the tongue. Proverbs 15.4, it says the soothing tongue, and the amplified version says the soothing tongue actually means speaking words that build up and encourage is the tree of life. That is the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. What is the fruit in the tree of life? Soothing words. Words of encouragement. So you want to live in the garden in the midst of the tree of life? It's the words that come out of your heart to one another. That's how you bring life. That's how you bring the garden back. You want to, bring, you want to make this rain city like the Garden of Eden? Be careful what you say to one another. You guys hearing what I'm saying? The word for hand in the Hebrew is yod, Y-A-D. The 10th letter of the alphabet is Yod, Y-O-D, Yod. Can everybody say Yod? Yod. yod. They're actually, you can actually use the word Yod to mean Yod, which is very, in Hebrew, it's very similar. The 10th letter is actually the word for hand. And the hand in the Hebrew has the power to shape to make, or to hit, or to bless. The hand could bless you or hurt you. You guys following what I'm saying? It can bless you or hurt you, but it also has the power to shape you. That's why the Jewish people, when they, when they gather on the Sabbath dinner, on Friday night, their dinner, before the Sabbath, they, go to, they make their children stand up before dinner, and the father stands up and prophesies to all of them. <laughs> That's why they walk around. I have a rabbi, Messianic. He's like, he converted to uh, Christianity, so he's a Messianic rabbi. He walks with such confidence, without arrogance. He just knows who he is. And then he told me, you should do that to your children. Prophesy. Tell them what you think God is saying to them for their future. And that's why they have that bar mitzvah where the father puts the son on the shoulder and walks around. This is my son. He's going to do this. This is who he is. I am so proud. 
My beloved. That's why Jesus, when he got baptized, God said, Jesus, my beloved son. Do you understand? There's power. They do that every Friday for the rest of life. Do you, that's why they walk around with such confidence. That's why they, he, he asked me, do you, I don't want to be stereotypical, but he asked me, my Jewish friend asked me, so it's okay. It's like a Chinese person asking, did you notice anything about Chinese people? And so, you can, so it's not racist. I'm like, I kind of. I don't want to be offensive. <laughs> you know? But he said, did you, know, did you notice anything about Jewish people? And I said, kind of. They were very confident. He goes, that's because of the Sabbath dinner, if they actually follow the practice. So we did that to our son when he was 13. We're not Jewish, so we got all the leaders of our church to come. There were like 20 of them. We told them to come. And then... He was like, what is this about that? He was 13. And I said, we're going to bless you, but we're going to make them bring all like, gifts for you as a sign, like symbolizing, symbolizing adulthood, that you are now no longer a boy, a man. So all these 20, he got a Coca-Cola stock option. He got like a hammer. <laughs> he got like all this crazy. He got a nice wallet here. You are a man now. Some people gave him money. He's like, all this presence. Wow, this is awesome. And then we got him to stand before me, and I, I hold, held his hand, and all the, elder, like the leaders of the church laid hands on him, and then we went around like prophesying to him. And I said, you are my son. I am proud of you because you exist. And whatever you do in life, I know that God has, hand, has his hand on you. And I've been saying this to him as a kid. You are good at this. This is good. Watch out for that. Just prophesying into him, speaking words of life. You guys don't hear what I'm trying to say. It's very important. So the, the, the hand, Yod, has the power to shape, to bless, or to curse. Right? It's very similar to the 10th letter of the alphabet, Yod. Can I see that alphabet? I mean, not, not that one. The ma one with the man. Yeah. So this is the letter for Yod. Y-O-D, okay? Same for hand. You can actually Yod. Okay? Now, this is the smallest letter of the alphabet. Can you go to the alphabet? If you go to the alphabet, you look at the Hebrew alphabet. I haven't... It's been a long time since I took this. But that Yod is in almost... Essence or the form is in almost every letter. Did you notice that? This is in almost every letter. Now, check this out. God said to Joshua, Before you is life and death, curses and blessings. Choose life, choose blessings, follow me, follow my word. So if the yod, the tenth letter is the kind of the hand that has the power to bless and curse. It means that every word in the Hebrew that is formulated by this alphabet is intended to bless you. Come on! Every letter in the Hebrew Bible, in the Word of God, is there for your blessing. It's inscribed in the alphabet itself. That's the word of God has the power to bless you in and of itself. I don't know how much I can. 
That's why just reading the word out loud has the power to bless you. Power to transform you. The word of God itself has power. So choose life, choose the word and receive it. It's not whether you're worthy. God has established this word for you. Whether you, It's not because you're worthy, it's because he loves you. I don't know. Do I have to shout anymore to get it like... Can you, can, can you, can you also bring up that other picture? So you see the word? See the yod? That's the yod. Now this is the prayer shawl. I have a prayer shawl at home. The Jewish people wear it over their heads. And they pray. So it's like they pray like this. That's the yod. So yod also symbolizes, you see it? It symbolizes our prayer to God. But also, some rabbis, many rabbis also believe it's the yo, the word of God is also God descending upon us. So it's like we ascend, God descends. So our prayers are ascending to hear what God is already descending. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you're understanding. This is so... That's why prayer is the most amazing thing you can do. It's not just, thank you for this day, thank you for this food. Thank you for the sunshine. That's good. That's good prayers. But when you're praying, you are supposed to ascend as God is descending so you can hear, you can capture the message and then you release it. That is the true essence of prayer. It's not just haphazardly like, God, I want this. That's petition. God receives all that. But the true essence of prayer is that you begin to ascend so that you can hear the words of God descending His blessings and you can capture it and release it. So release it back to the world. That's why Proverbs 17.22 says this, Joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So obviously a broken spirit is one without joy. How do you get joy of the Lord? Nehemiah 8, 9, 12. This is 100 years later. Nehemiah, they reestablished the temple. They've been in Babylon. They're going to come back. Zerubbabel, the high priest, is reading the word of God again. They haven't heard the word of God in many, many years. And Nehemiah, who is the governor, verse 9, it says, Ezra, the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Because they were so, man, we missed this. Maybe, maybe you're like feeling that right now. I missed this after a year and a half of COVID. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who is nothing ready. For this day is holy to our God and do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed the people. Don't, don't, be, so, uh, don't be so mournful. Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. Be joyful. What is God saying? What is the source of joy? What is the source of joy of the Lord? Remedy for the broken spirit. Remedy for those dry bones who are dead. It's the word of the Lord that has been spoken. 
And people finally hear as people were praying, like the high priests were praying, and the, and the word of God was descending. He captured it and he released it to the people. The words of God that have been written is a blessing in itself. As he just read it, there's no preaching. As he just read it, people wept. This is the word of God, and their hearts leapt because they knew that the Holy Spirit was speaking. And, and, and Zerubbabel says, the high priest says, don't cry, be joyful. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's why it says joyful heart is a good medicine, joy of the Lord, the word of God that you've captured and released to the people, released it to yourself. It's like medicine. It's like take your vitamins every day. You know how much vitamins I take? I can't even tell you how many. Literally, it's like candy all day, just taking candy. I'm like, that's so full. I'm like, I used to put the whole, because I'm very impatient, I used to put the whole thing in my mouth and then it got caught in my throat a couple of times. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Just a little by little every day. Just a little by little every day, the word of God is like medicine. And he said, prophesy. So this is my last point. And it's just not reading the word, uh, it's because in itself has blessings, but he says, prophesy to the bones. The bones in Hebrews actually symbolizes the essence of a person. Is this, you guys okay? You guys following what I'm saying? So the bones, Hebrews believe that the bones symbolizes the essence of the person. So when the bones is empty, is dry, it means that they're like the marrow, the essence is all gone. <laughs> That's why in Genesis it says, she is my bone, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She knows my essence. That's a whole nother sermon I could preach. <laughs> so when you guys are like, what does that mean, bone of my, she, you guys are going to get married next year, right? It's like, I know him. I know his essence, and he knows you, like the essence, who you are. So that eventually, when you're, people who've been married a long time, you don't even have to say it. You just kind of look at each other and know exactly what she's thinking. <laughs> if I'm in Best Buy and I'm about to buy the TV, I hear her voice. <laughs> exactly the way she would say it. Like she's beside me. Do we really need 4K Ultra D? I'm like, honey, our, our TV is just HD, 1090. We need 4K. It's kind of worthless, but it works. And it's, it, I could see clearly. I don't know about you. Our kids need to pay, you need to pay for our kids' education. As if she's right there. So the Best Buy guy's like, are you okay? No, just talking to my wife. <laughs> just talking to my wife right now. Just talking to my wife. It's, that's what it means. It's the S, I know you. And it's not just, I know you, like the back of my hand. It's like, I know the deep essence of you. So I cannot be who I am not around you. I am who I am. And you know me. And you so we used to prophesy to one another before we sleep. You are this. This is who you are going to be. This is what I believe to our kids. We would just speak life into them because as the, as the yard, we went up in prayer. We captured what God wants and we released it to them. Do you, do you guys understand? They see me. God sees me. It's like when, That's why they assemble together 
like an army in a community. Do you understand? And the breath came upon them. The Holy Spirit came down, and then you came up. We met, and then you start to release, and they came alive. Do you understand? Essence. So that's what prophecy is at the end of the day. It's not just foretelling. It's understanding the prophetic word is understanding God's heart for somebody and speaking out. You don't have to be hokey pokey. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit says. You don't have to say anything like that. You just talk normally and say, I think, you know, I think you're like this. And they're, you know, this is what I do when I also coach people who are not Christian. <laughs> they're like, how did you know that? This is, I've never been coached like this. Well, you know, I, I am in tune with God. And they're like, God of the universe? <laughs> like, they don't get it. But, you know, that's what you do. The un- that's why prophecy, 1 Corinthians 13, it says for the uh, 15, 14, 15, it's for the unbeliever. Even though they cannot hear. Can bones hear, everybody? No. Can bones hear? No, they're dead. But God says the word that you've captured, released it to them, releasing their essence, brings life. Do you understand? That's the most powerful tool of evangelism. It's not, let me give you the four spiritual laws. <laughs> Megaphone downtown. You can barely hear. I saw one guy goes there. And then Jesus said, oh, you're going to go to hell. And I'm like, I, nobody can even hear you, buddy. <laughs> but you know, my wife and I, we want to bless. And like, bless you, brother. At least you got courage and boldness. Maybe you can like, channel it somewhere else. But <laughs> bless you. Bless you. And people are like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> but the greatest form of evangelism is speaking life to your friend, to their essence, praying. What does God want me? What does God, what does God see in this person? And you, what God's word is what? Remember, every word is blessing. Even the words of discipline and correction is for to bless you. Do you understand? That is... That brings life. Everybody wants to be known. I see you. I see you. I saw Joy Luck Club yesterday. You guys know that movie? Yeah. You guys too young. You know Joy Luck Club? Yeah. I see you. I see you. Everybody take good crab. You take the bad crab. You have special heart. You have extraordinary heart. I see you. And my wife's like, why did it take all her life to say that? <laughs> <laughs> my wife is all about, do it from birth. Why wait all the time? And then they're going through all this brokenness, and finally you see it right before you die. <laughs> That's another thing. Eulogize in the Latin means to bring good light to bless. Why do we do it when they're dead? They're in heaven enjoying their life. <laughs> You're like, can you hear me? This is like, well, I'm with Jesus. Like, you should do it when they're here. So at the retreat, we're going to eulogize to one another. We should do that at all the retreat. We stay up to three in the morning, eulogizing to everybody. <laughs> everybody sits on the seat, and everybody just comes in. I believe this is who you are. And it's prophetic, because sometimes they don't know anybody. And then people are like, blessed. Are we staying up till 3 a.m.? No. <laughs> The smaller group. So we'll be able to do it by midnight. <laughs> we all want to be known. We want, we want to, if, and if this guy who goes to my church 
can know my essence, then I know God knows me. That's the purpose of coming together. Do you understand? We're supposed to walk amongst bones to bring life. Who knows? There's some people who are like bones around you, dead. It's not enough to just say, go to church, man. Read the Bible. You have to, explain, you have to give them life. God sees you. God knows you. Beyond all the crap you're doing, God sees the essence of you, who you are. Do you understand? I'll tell you, I'll end this with one final story, is okay? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. <laughs> there was a time in seminary I was very insecure. Remember, I was partying hard at Western. <laughs> then I went to seminary. I didn't even, I never read, I hardly read the Bible. So I was failing my first class. I was taking systematic theology, which I should be taking my fourth year. I didn't know. My friends were like, you're taking systematic one? Wow, good on you. And I knew I was in big trouble. <laughs> I had no understanding of anything in Greek and Hebrew. I should have been taking Greek and Hebrew. I'm so stupid. I didn't know what I was doing. Just like whatever. I went from partying to not even Bible college, seminary. And then I, had, I was in a discipleship group with 12 like pastors, like legit pastors. And I didn't, I, wasn't even, I didn't even have a job working at a church ever. And I felt insecure. I didn't know what I, know what I was doing. And my pastor is a, was the ordained Presbyterian minister of the largest Korean-American church in USA, my mentor. And then he got, he got into, he was writing his thesis on like people who hear God. So he went all over the country. And I traveled with him to all these places where people like prophets or whatever. So I was just very curious because he was writing his uh, graduate thesis. So he wrote his master's on the, on the prophets and the, his PhD in the apostles. Now he's a professor in seminary in Korea. So he's legit. So he brought all these guys. And then he said, I'm going to bring somebody from Arizona, um, Scott Webster. And he really hears God. And I was like, oh, man, I should prepare myself. You know, I was taught like a long time ago when I was a kid, prepare your, prepare your heart. God sees everything. These prophets are going to come and they like point all the sins out. So I was like praying really hard, repenting for every single thing I did. <laughs> and then I went to church and I was like setting up the chairs, vacuuming. I, was, I just didn't want to be exposed, you know what I mean? But I wanted to, and that, but I also wanted him to like pick me. So he's picking some people, but my best friend came. He was, he, he followed me to seminary. He, he came and, uh, he was like eating his Mexican burrito. He went down, down to East LA to get the Mexican burrito. He stunk up the whole room, but I was so hungry. I'm like, oh my gosh, you should have got me a burrito. And he's sitting there. He's like, he's late. He's acting like he doesn't care because he didn't care. And then he picks him. And it gives him this amazing word and the guy's like bawling his eyes out. Like, oh my God, <laughs> God hears me. And then I was like, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Like I cleaned this whole room. I swept. And I prayed the whole week. <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't call me at all. And I went home. And I was insecure. And I was crying in bed. And I said, like, God, you don't see me. And I just want to be used by you. Don't you know? And I was crying in my bed. And I was just crying, God, maybe the seminary is a bad thing. Like, I should just go back to partying, be a lawyer. <laughs> I don't want to. Like, you don't even see me. You don't even see me. 
And then the next day we went to a retreat and then I was like kind of in a bad mood sitting at the back. And then he saw me, he said, you come up here. And he said, I saw you last night praying in your bed and this is what you said. God, you don't even see me. And I want to be used. Why don't you use me? And I just literally like, <laughs> heaven came down, crying my eyes out. He didn't have to say anything more after that. I just hearing that God was hearing me. It was word for word, not paraphrased. You know, I, I read lots of papers. You know, some people paraphrase. This is in quotations, yeah. citation, <laughs> word for word. And I'm like, nobody, my wife didn't even hear me because I was embarrassed about crying. And, I literally, and then he said, and then he went on and said, don't you know, God says to you, don't you know that I want to use you more than you want to be used, but I'm just preparing you. You will see. And then he said some other stuff, but I, he, 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 he had me at, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> That's where he had me. Do you understand? That brought so much life and security to me. You don't, you don't understand the power of God's word. And then I went up to the room, and then I, I, this kid, young kid, his name was John, and he was like, kind of like a rebel. So I said, wake up! Because he was kind of like looking up to me. I, guess, I don't know why. I said, wake up! I want to tell you something. And I prayed, and I told him what I thought God was saying, and then he was like shaking. He said, I said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? He said, yes! Well, people have been trying for like a year. Like, John, do you want to get saved? Here's why. And then he's like, I don't know. I don't know. This is acting like a little teenager. But when I just said, bam, the word of God, he said, I want to get saved right now. <laughs> That's the power of God's word. I have so many people who are not even believers come to our church in the past, and we just gave them the word. And then they'd literally be quiet. And then they would always ask me, what was that? I said, the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees you. Do you understand the power of the word? <sighs> Let's stand. I, I know I did a little more teaching today. Maybe you want to listen to the podcast. Something more in depth. Okay, let's do the, let's do the Jewish prayer mode. Just go like this. We're just praying up. Now, I don't want you to pray to God. I just want you to give you one minute to pray, for, pray to yourself. Like, I don't, I don't know how to word it. Speak to yourself. Like David spoke to his own soul. He said, listen, soul. This is what God says to you. And I want you to start blessing yourself. What is God saying to you? And God commands us to call him Abba. Abba meaning daddy. What is the daddy God saying to you? Say, and don't say, I think God is saying, say, just whatever you're saying, I am a child of God. Father, you're saying to me that I am loved. I am beloved just as I am. I don't have to do anything. I'm just loved. 
and you have a future for me. I'm gifted in this. You called me, and I'm exploring that. You have plans to prosper me. You love me with a love that I can't even imagine. You are my daddy. You are my father. And you take care of me. She do this every day, like good medicine. We love you, God. God, you love this church. A sense that you are saying you have a special plan for this church, for these people, this community. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. We're here to make a name, make your name famous in the world. We're not concerned about size and performance. We're just here to truly hear your word grow and be a person that walks amongst dead bones and brings it to life. Help us to hear your words more clearly. Let us learn to discern your voice. Give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.